Uh, do you think you can get me a tape of the show? What on earth for? Well, how often do you get to hear your song on the radio? I'm on the radio every day! W-E-G-L, Hello, Auburn. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student run radio since 1971. As always, I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Alex Houston, today, as, long as, as well as Griggs, who's joining us in the booth. Once again, we'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn, Opelika, Megaplex, and around the world, however you may be joining us today. Whether that be from your terrestrial radio antenna in your car, room, or otherwise on Legal 91.1 FM, through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com, or if you're tuning in after the fact and listening to our podcast, we thank you for doing so. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And with that, as always, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Bays and WEGL studios right here in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where right now this morning... It is 63 degrees and a bit foggy out on the plains this fine morning. We wish you a good morning indeed for the week finale of Compact Discourse. It is a Thursday morning, so I will kick it over to Alex. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, got Didn't get as much sleep as I wanted to last night because some major news broke as I was walking home from the Auburn game. So yeah, that was fun. But yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Doing well indeed. Griggs, I saw you were also at the Auburn game last night with me and Alex. How was that? How was your day going? Today's going good. Started off early, but I'm glad I'm here. And yeah, last night was really fun until I think about what eleven thirty. Yeah, that's about that's about the time. That's about the time. Very well. I think I got a push notification as the team was walking off the court that things were uh, escalating over uh, over with our neighbors to the uh, far east there in Europe. So at this point, I would like to remind our audience that if any point in the next hour or so you feel so inclined to ask a question. Drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, you can correct us. You can do so by calling in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. You can also send us a tweet over at CDISCAU, at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter. I got the tweet deck pulled up right in front of me. So if you got something to say, it'll come right through, and we'd love to hear from you. All right, with that, we're going to jump right into the show today. Uh, we got some interesting things to talk about today including yesterday was opening day on the Plains for Auburn Baseball, and they had a very successful game against Troy. Um, there was also Auburn Softball yesterday. Both teams put up pretty impressive performances, um, but we'll start with, with Baseball, who was in their home opener. Auburn uh, stays hot off that 12-1 and performance on Sunday against K-State, um, and they do the same against in-state rival Troy who Auburn hangs seven on in the first two innings, and the pitching shuts out for the remaining nine. Hayden Mullins gets the win in this one. Auburn breaks a uh, attendance record for opening day with over 3,800 in attendance at Plainsman Park. And Auburn wins have won 13-1, so hot start for Butch Thompson and the Auburn Tigers at Plainsman Park. You've also got a four-game series, up, or a three-game series, rather, upcoming against Yale and two midweek games next week against in-state opponents, Alabama State and UAB. That's what's coming up with Auburn baseball. 
Um, that was concurrent with the basketball game last night, I believe. They yes, were, it was. They were given live updates. So, and the softball game ended just before basketball began yesterday as well. Awesome. That was yeah, that was impressive by the yes, softball it was. team. And a great transition over to Auburn softball, who last night defeated the Jacksonville State Gamecocks ten to nothing to keep the streak alive and rolling over at Jane B. Moore Field. Or no, was that a away game? Yeah, it was a way. Yes, it was actually. Okay. They, they, they were on the road at Jacksonville. Over State. in Jacksonville, Auburn improves to ten and one. And now, uh, I believe this came out yesterday morning before the game, but it's worth noting now. Auburn is ranked number twenty-one in I think four different polls across the country. Maddie Penta improves to five and zero on the season as Auburn hangs seven on the Gamecocks in the sixth inning to get another run rule victory. And you know, again with that. That one loss being a bad loss, but a loss to UCLA, which might be the best team in the country. This Auburn softball team is red hot right now, and they're playing good softball right now. Indeed. Indeed. Um, let's see who had the best performance. Um, You're like, talking about from the softball game? Yeah. Michaela Packer had three hits, one RBI. Hey, there you go. There you go. And Aubrey Lindsay led the team with two RBIs. So. And Nelia Peralta had two hits and three RBIs as well. So there you go. I mean, lots of like off this box score. Absolutely. To be sure. Um, yeah, it's good to see Maddie Penta, you know, just cleaning up, mowing down batters, 5 and 0 on the season already. I mean, that's how, that's what she did a lot of last year, and she's doing it again. She's very good. This was a very efficient game, less than two hours. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I think at the sixth inning, they just went off, and at that point, they called it at 10 nothing. I mean, it was just Jacksonville State could do nothing. Essentially, that, that from what little I could see on the Jumbotron or video board. All right. And with that, we'll move on to the discussion of the day, which is, of course, Auburn Tigers basketball. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We shall um, start the discussion now with some opening thoughts. Um, other than your thesis statement, Auburn, huge bounce back victory after falling in the swamp over the weekend. They come home to play one of their. Uh, classic opponents in the SEC, the Ole Miss Rebels, who come to town every year, trying to get a little revenge from last year when the Auburn Tigers fell in overtime to the Rebels in Auburn Arena, and they get their revenge, and rightly so, as Auburn puts on a great performance. The bench performs well, and the starters perform even better to get Auburn a 77-64 victory over the visiting Rebels of Ole Miss. Auburn improves to 13-2, and in conference play and 25 and 3 overall as they defend their number 3 ranking Auburn um just about does everything they need to well um had a minor scoring drought it, at the uh at the start of the second half they didn't score until about 4 minutes into the second half but other than that the offense was clicking pretty well uh turnovers were minimized which was good uh, based on the uh, every every loss Auburn has had turnovers has has uh, been a standout stat. Auburn minimized them, equalized them with Mississippi State or Mississippi rather. They both had twelve, and the rebounds were falling as well. As Auburn racks up almost forty of them on the night. They shoot forty five point eight percent from the floor and thirty six percent from three. Zepp Jasper was your standout player of the night. I think even though he may not have racked up as many points as Jabari. He definitely put on a much more of a show. So, what are you guys' initial thoughts from being uh, being a witness, as Bruce likes to say, to Auburn's penultimate home game on the season? I would say this is another example of the fact that this team lacks a lot of weaknesses because if one player doesn't step up, another can. In the case of Zepp Jasper, who has not been 
super effective scoring all season. Katie Johnson struggles from the field, and then Zepp Jasper steps up. Jabari goes 4 for 12, and again, Zepp has 15 points. That's kind of what makes this team so dangerous is that if Jabari's not having his night, then KD steps up. Or if KD's not having his night, then Wendell gets 20. And if that doesn't happen, then Zepp gets 15. And then, you know, Kessler like quietly gets 20 a game sometimes, and it's just insane. That's what makes this team so dangerous is they're not a one-note type of offense. They kind of just have so many different weapons. And all this has been going on while Alan Flanagan has been ice cold mm-hmm. outside of that 16-point game against Vanderbilt. So, or not, not against Vanderbilt, the game that was the game before that. A&M? Yes, yes. I think it was the A&M game that he had 16. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely what makes this team so dangerous. Um, yeah, I think it was a good bounce-back game for Wendell, too. He kind of struggled last week against Florida, whether it be shooting the ball or turning it over. Um, nice as Zep to step up, because what Alex is saying, just because he provides so much on defense, it's great when we can get some offensive production from him, too. KD didn't have the best of night. Hopefully that, I'm not worried about that at all. What I am worried about is, again, Alan Flanagan, 22 minutes, three points off one free throw and one made basket with four personal fouls and one rebound with two steals. He has been struggling a lot since that A&M game because against A&M, you know, he was the best offensive player we had. If I want to see, yeah, he was with 16 points, and it was great. But now, I mean, at Vandy, I think he had – let me look it up again – two points, four fouls, and six turnovers – and then again against Florida, he had two points and two turnovers as well. He just has not been hitting his stride as of late. The The issue is, though, I don't think there's going to be a change coming from Auburn because he is the best player at that position for them in terms of who fits that position of the small forward because the only other alternative is Devin Cambridge, who I like Devin Cambridge, but in terms of being able to create on his own, he essentially can't. He's a lob catcher, an offensive rebounder, and a three-point shooter. But, you know, he's not – Allen is there to assist the point guards whenever they get trapped specifically. That's one of his Mm -hmm. better skill sets, and that's something that the rest of the team doesn't really have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think – hopefully – do you think they rushed him back from that Achilles a little bit? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's injured. It just just seems like he's making a lot of mental mistakes, like last night – when he had Kessler streaking down and he decided to go behind the back instead of just, you know, throwing it up to the guy who's taller than anybody on the court. That doesn't seem like an injury as much as it just seems, you know, a mental mistake for whatever reason. I don't know, but that's all that I've seen. The discussion continues on the other side of a break. You're listening to Compact Discourse live on WEGL 91.1 and WeGoFM.com. Auburn gets the win over Ole Miss last night. Auburn will travel to Rocky Top to take on Tennessee this Saturday. We've got some friends from Tennessee calling into the show later on, so you aren't going to want to miss it. Keep it right here on 91.1 and WeagleFM.com. we got Auburn basketball talk all day today, so continue calling in and shooting us a tweet, CDiscAU. We'll be back in a few minutes with the remainder of the show. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm Jack R. Jordan alongside Alex Houston and Mr. Griggs coming at you live on a Thursday morning. We're talking all things basketball as Auburn racked up another win last night against the running Rebels of Ole Miss to get another season sweep on the series, make it three against Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss on the season so far. 
Let's jump on over to SEC basketball from yesterday and Tuesday night. Okay, I'm uh, mentally placing myself in the week. It's been a been a pretty pretty gnarly week. I agree. Yes. All right. Tennessee travels to Missouri, number seventeen ranked. Tennessee, they travel to Missouri and take care of business. They uh, blow out the Tigers 82-61. Kennedy Chandler has 23 points in that one. Arkansas travels down to Gainesville and pops Florida's bubble as they run out of the swamp 82-74. It's going to be real tough for Florida to make it into the dance now as uh, Devontae Davis goes for 19. Castleton goes for 30, scores like half of Florida's points. Uh, we got Alabama traveled up to the Music City, and Javon Quinterly was the story, as well as J.D. Davidson. He racked up 10 points, 10 rebounds. Alabama escapes Vanderbilt 74-72 to as Vandy misses a game-time layup as time expires, and Bama grabs that rebound. Scottie Pippen, 26 points in that one as the Scottie Pippen show continues for Vanderbilt. Texas A&M puts up 91 on the visiting Georgia. Georgia still looking for their second conference win on the season. A&M wins that one, 91-77. Jumping over to last night, of course, Auburn defeats Ole Miss, 77-64. LSU up on Kentucky at halftime, 31-23. But the Wildcats rally back and remain undefeated at home as they win that one, 71-66. Wildcats over the Tigers. And then lastly, South Carolina defeats Mississippi State 66-56 in the final SEC matchup of the night. Let's jump on over to the SEC standings, where right now Auburn is clinging. I don't know if you want to say clinging, but... I mean, you might want to say it. They they have to go to to Knoxville this weekend. Yeah, and Kentucky, I think, only has all home games. Oh, they have Arkansas this week. Okay. Whoop pig. Yes. (laughs) All right, uh, Auburn is a 13-2 and record, best uh, best in the conference. Kentucky nipping at their heels, 12-3. and Arkansas is right behind them, tied with Tennessee, 11-4, and both two games back of the first-place spot. And then Alabama at a distant fifth place, 8-7, and tied with East South Carolina Gamecocks. And that is how things are going to shake up. Down in Tampa, it seems as uh, those, are your, those are your top six seeds right now in the SEC. Some other notable scores from last night were, of course, the Providence game where Providence plays in yet another close game. They just cannot avoid these. And they defeat Xavier in triple overtime, 99-92. I think that was the one of the, if, even though I didn't get to watch it, that sounded like the best game of the year in college basketball so far. It seemed like it, indeed. And just chaos. But you got to love the Big East. Mm-hmm. Biggie's has some characters, to be sure. Absolutely. Duke, Duke gets a scare from Virginia, but they come out on top in Charlottesville, 65-61. to Wisconsin narrowly escapes a game in Minnesota. They win that one, 68-67. to Houston blows out Tulane, 81-67. to And the Longhorns of Texas take care of business against TCU to improve to 9-6 and in Big 12 play. They win 75 to 66 and that was your around the country scoreboard from last night and earlier this week all right we can jump back in to Auburn basketball real quick uh let's just look at this box score and see if anything stands out to you guys Walker Kessler nearly uh puts on his third triple-double performance of the season but he does set the single season block record yes I'm surprised it was that high to begin with anyway 
That's Kyle like Davis a- was really good in the early 2000s, so I've heard. I, of course, do not know. I was a year old, but that was during the uh, when they really had their run of a few good seasons back-to-back from 99 to, like, 2002. I think Ole Miss is also the only team that we beat in football once and then beat in basketball twice this year. I'm pretty sure. The season sweep for the two majors. Well, yeah, because the only other teams we swept were Georgia and Alabama, and we certainly did not beat either of them True. in football. True, and we, we will not be playing LSU twice, but technically we beat them in both sports. Fair. You That's that. right. Technically. Um, but I would say one thing, just not even going off the stat sheet, just for any Auburn fans still freaking out after uh, – after last week's game or last weekend's game against Florida, just do do me a favor, pull up the SEC standings on whatever your local sports app is. Go ahead and scroll over and look at the road record and realize that Auburn is seven and two on the road, which is the best in the SEC compared to LSU, which is two and eight on the road. Mississippi State's also one and nine. So just you know, take a deep breath and relax that Auburn has lost two games on the road. One in one of the most hostile environments in Arkansas, and again, a Florida team that Auburn hasn't won there since 1996. So, That's right. Just saying. And they use the Nike balls down there, I've been told. Exactly, and uh, according, according to my sources, uh, Auburn is really bad when it's a Nike basketball. I don't really know why, but... Yeah. And unfortunately, this weekend in Knoxville, true. it will be a Nike ball. Except at the NCAA tournament, what ball do they use? They use Wilson. Exactly. Tom so Hanks' okay. ball of choice. Absolutely. <laughs> Walker Kessler nearly completes his third triple-double of the season. He gets 12 points, 10 rebounds, nine of them defensive, but falls short in the block column as he only racks up eight. Good enough for the record, not good enough for his third triple-double of the season. Walker Kessler was looking to be the only SEC player in history with three triple-doubles. That would be just short of Shaquille O'Neal, who has six. So, in good company, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and he's actually just trailing Shaq for the single-season record in blocks as well. He's climbing up the SC standings as it is. I think he needs, I want to say it's like 10 more to break the single-season single, single record. Excuse I me. I feel me. like that could be atta- obtained. but I know. It's, 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 I think it's 10 to pass Shaq, but it's, he's got a long way to go because, unfortunately, Anthony Davis was that good. So, it's, it, it might be a while. Oh, so he's, he would be... He's looking for second right now. I, I uh, believe. I believe so. I'm. I'm gonna have to pull it back up again. But yes, it seems like it. Good stuff. So, uh, jumping back to yeah, yeah, Jabari Smith was your points leader. He went for 15 points, only four of 12 from the field, so shooting 25 percent from the floor. But he nailed nailed all of his free throws. Good enough to be the points leader, and uh, really led the team in a bounce back game. Uh, he, he didn't have to do much. He just kind of facilitated the offense and uh, did what he had to do. It, it, was, it, was, it never came down to Jabari time, thankfully, in Auburn Arena last night. It did not. And I will say I've got, I've got the stats here now. Kessler's 131 blocks is obviously the most in Auburn history. It's eighth most in SEC history. That's my mistake. He is nine behind Shaq for seventh most. And he's also tied for 57th most in NCAA history, and he needs three more to crack the top 50. And it's safe to say he has a minimum of five games left with the three more uh, regular season games, one SEC tournament game, and one NCAA tournament game at minimum. But all those will count for his regular season total. So let's see how what happens. I'm looking forward to Who's number one in the SEC? I'm going to guess. Anthony Cat. Davis. Or no, yeah, Anthony Davis. Yeah, he uh, that year they won the championship. He had an absurd amount. I can't remember the actual number. I'll look it up right now. People forget. Cal's only won one title at Kentucky with True. all that star power. But, I mean, you know, it's 
it's also a lot of guys that only come in as freshmen and then immediately leave. So for what it's worth, they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated issue. That's fair. I mean, most of the teams that win are not the one-and-done teams, like Wisconsin, for example, that does win. So let's see. Um, his one year, he had 4.7 blocks a game in 40 games, which if I do my quick math in my head, that's going to be at least 160, but it's going to be more like, ah, yes, 188 blocks. And Kessler has 131, so... 30 and 5 essentially that that that's I don't know if I don't know if that's going to work we'll see we'll we'll keep we'll keep track of that as it uh progresses Auburn does not cover as they win by a mere 13 points unfortunate uh line was 15 and a half they do if you had the over under you were probably sweating just a little bit as that was 140 and a half and the combined total points was 141 in Auburn arena last night so some people were happy with the bets, I would say. Understandable. I, I, I would say some were. Always bet the over in a rebound game. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Life's, a bounce, life, life's too short to bet the under. Bounce back game, rather. Um, some other stats that jump out. Uh, I think the turnovers, I mentioned that in the previous segment, but I think minimizing the t- – I mean, Auburn had two bad turnovers last night. Uh, we're just – the offense was not clicking, and balls were thrown directly to the Rebel defense. But, I mean, if you take those away, that's only 10 total turnovers on the night for Auburn, which is probably, I think, like half of what they had at Florida. I think they were getting up to 20 down yeah, the swamp. Yeah, I would say so. so and that, that, was, that was big for, for offensive rhythm. So it was good to see those uh, turnovers getting minimized. And um, Auburn spread it out as well, racking up 16 assists. So... Uh, I know that that ISO ball that frustrates a lot of Auburn fans watching the team offensively was not exactly uh, on display last night. So that's good to see the team was was doing doing their thing offensively. Absolutely, I will say there were a lot more just plays. I, w- I would agree with that, and just overall, just a much more efficient night, even with people like Katie Johnson and Jabari Smith having an off night. Just overall, the offense looked night and day different from the Florida game, specifically with the guard play. Absolutely. Griggs, any final thoughts on the Ole Miss game? I'm excited for Saturday. We move on. Three more left. Two's the magic number, people. Three more indeed. All right, ladies and gents. The conversation continues on the other half of a break. We will return with some more compact discourse. When we return, we shall have some friends from Tennessee calling in to discuss the upcoming game as Auburn travels to Rocky Top, just 72 hours away at this point, as the game to potentially put things um, that much easier for Auburn clinching the regular season title. We'll be right back with some more of the show. Don't go anywhere. I'm Jack Hard, joined alongside Alex and Griggs. We'll be back with some friends from Tennessee when we come back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Mr. Alex Houston and Mr. Griggs as we jump right back into the show today. Auburn basketball travels to Thompson Bowling Arena. That's Rocky Top this Saturday. And to celebrate the occasion, it is it is the enemy. It is best to know it, so we will know thy enemy today. We've got Mr. Jackson joining us from WUTK 90.3 up in Knoxville. That's The Rock. Jackson, can you hear us? Are you with us today? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Excited 
excited to be on, excited to do this with you guys, and uh, kind of talk a little Auburn-Tennessee because, I mean, this is going to be a great game. Yeah, Auburn-Tennessee has been one of the most fun um, matchups in the SEC in the past five years or so, ever since Auburn's kind of lifted themselves up into, into some SEC prominence. And, of course, we have a little history with Bruce Pearl being the coach of the Auburn Tigers, former UT coach. Yeah, the I mean, I've been calling it the Bruce Pearl curse all week because there's just something about Bruce Pearl recently in Knoxville that Tennessee just can't beat. I mean, you guys are on a, a six-game winning streak against Tennessee right now. I mean, that includes that 20-point beatdown in the SEC Tournament Championship in 2019. And it's just, I mean, I don't know what it is about Bruce Pearl, but Tennessee has had the had one of the – I mean, we can beat uh, Coach uh, – Calipari up in Kentucky, but Bruce Pearl has given us the most fits out of any coach in the SEC for the last five, six years. I mean, it's it's wild. Yeah, Tennessee's been able to seemingly do everything, including go up to Rupp and beach Coach Cal, something Auburn hasn't done since the mid-'80s, mind you, and uh, except uh, to take down their their former coach and Bruce Pearl. He just he just has the secret stuff, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it's really insane to me, and this game's going to be really interesting because of the two styles of play that are meeting up in in Auburn and Tennessee. I mean, you guys have Walker Kessler, who's averaging an absurd five uh, 4.7 blocks a game. And Tennessee has two smaller guards, uh, Zakai Ziegler and Candy Chandler, who love to get to the rim. And, it's, and that's just a tough matchup with those two guys going into, uh, going into the paint against Walker Kessler. That's right. I think what stands out to me from Tennessee's offense is just the spreading out of the ball, something Auburn has struggled mightily with uh, over the season. They they love to catch and shoot, and what Tennessee really impresses me is their patience on offense, averaging more than three more assists per game than Auburn does. Something Auburn really needs to work on is is, uh, getting those assist numbers up, and Tennessee is doing it perfectly so far this season. And I would say – has been it's been good, but at times it's been too patient because uh, Tennessee. I mean, they're they occasionally they don't take open shots. I mean, it's the reason some guys aren't in the rotation anymore. Like uh, Auburn transfer Justin Powell isn't getting as many minutes because he's he's passing up open shots. I mean, and that's what he was brought in to really be for this team, which was a a three point shooter. And it'll be interesting to see how they use him against Auburn. His uh, his. Former team, I, I believe he only played like what eight games for you guys. Yeah, I want to say he did because then he got a concussion, and at that point he was out for the remainder of that season. Okay, yeah, he's he's been solid for Tennessee when he's been on. I mean he he's made some nice shots, he's made some he's made some nice plays, but he, we just need that consistency, especially uh, out of in a to get minutes in a guard lineup that is very loaded for Tennessee. Tennessee Town is really in their guards. I mean, uh, uh, Santiago Vescovi, Kennedy Chandler, Zakai Ziegler, Josiah Jordan-James. I mean, those are Tennessee's probably their four best players now that Olivia and Tom was out for the season. And it's just, I mean, to get minutes in that uh, guard rotation, you're going to have to take your own shot. So hopefully Justin Powell can find a little consistency because Right now, consistency is the one thing that Tennessee has lacked uh, because of having to shift the lineup due to Incomba's injury. And looking at the forwards, who's going to be going up against Walker Kessler? 
I like the matchup of him and Jonas Idu because Idu's first game of getting extended minutes was against Oscar Shibway of Kentucky, and he really did well. He really rose up to that challenge, and it's going to it's going to be a good matchup: Walker Kessler versus Jonas Idu. And you mentioned Jonas Adu, but also with that's with those small guards. You said they're Tennessee's best players. How do you think they're going to attack the Auburn defense? Because we've seen throughout the year that attacking the basket against a guy like Walker Kessler, if you're the smaller guard, is not exactly the best option. So how do you think Tennessee's going to adjust to that? Uh, I think it's going to be more of a, a Kennedy Chandler show, which we saw on Tuesday against Missouri, dropped 23. Uh, Kennedy Chandler can really score from anywhere. Unlike, I mean, Zakai can shoot the three, but he is much more of a slashing type of guard. And I think we're going to see a lot more of Kennedy shooting, uh, Kenny Chandler shooting floaters, Kenny Chandler kind of not really avoiding Walker Kessler, but not putting himself in situations to get the ball swatted. Absolutely. So I think it's, it's going to come down to this big man matchup that it's really going to be decided in the paint because Auburn uh, is, has not been shooting well on the road so far. Uh, some people chalk it up to the basketball, which uh, I may, you may have heard that chatter. Uh, we, we don't say we don't say the uh, the the cursed brand around here. <laughs> we, we, we like we like our Wilson balls. But, oh my gosh! Um, uh, as far as in the paint, would you concur that this game is going to be decided there rather than uh, from beyond the arc? One hundred percent. I mean. I mean, just because, I mean, Walker Kessler is such a talented player. I mean, it's just, it's hard to score in the paint against him. He's probably the best rim uh, protector in the SEC right now. And I, I like the matchup of him and I do just because I do is so big. I, I mean, and he's starting to, you know, guys, with seven footers uh, in the SEC, a lot of times they have to find their footing. And I do has been thrown into the fire and it's helping him find his footing a little bit quicker than I think a lot of uh, other younger players have. I mean, when you, when you're going into these situations against an Oscar Sheedway and you're you're in the paint against him, it makes a lot of your other challenges a little easier. So going up against Walker Kessler, he's been in a situation like this, and like you guys said, it's a it's a home and a, uh, it's a very big advantage for Tennessee to be playing in PBA this weekend because Tennessee's undefeated at home, much like Auburn is in uh, in Auburn. There, Tennessee's fourteen and zero at home and. Honestly, this looks like a completely different team when they play at home, and I can't explain it. It's it's insane how different Tennessee looks when they play in Thompson Bowling Arena. Well, I think you can attribute a lot of that to just the style of of, ten, of offense that Tennessee has been playing so far this season. It relies a lot on communication between the players and spreading things around the horn. So I, I would say Thompson Bowling is a very conducive atmosphere to what Tennessee likes to do uh, offensively. And I think the ESPN BPI is – quite in agreement with that as for the first time this season I think Auburn has uh, has about a 25% chance to win this one including to, to the experts over at the BPI. This game is I, I've been I've been looking at the uh percentages throughout the year. This Tennessee game has been the one that Auburn has not been favored in and I think lately with their struggles on the road cuz I will say Jackson we do understand you in that regard because Auburn has the same problem where they just look different at home versus on the road. I will say, with one exception, Bruce Pearl teams have always seemed to struggle on the road, but at Thompson Bowling Arena, they seem to have some luck. So, at least in the, in the last two times they've been there. But before that, not so much, but we'll certainly see. But yeah, I think it definitely comes down to the fact that Auburn has not had a lot of luck in hostile environments at Gainesville and in Fayetteville, and 
Knoxville will be the exact same thing at Thompson Bowling Arena. It's going to be one heck of a matchup. I'm I'm excited about the atmosphere at Thompson Bowling Arena. You guys, you got any of you, any of you guys coming up this weekend? I will be going. Uh, our sports director Jacob Hillman, who I believe is is going to be joining WTK later tonight, he will be going as well. We've got a few other people, folks at Weagle. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, I've never been. I've been to Thompson Bowling for a non basketball event, so I'm excited to see uh, what what that place is like when it's when it's completely rocking. Although I will put a disclaimer: the last sporting event ever, ever attended. By uh, by one Jacob Hillman was the uh, the Auburn game in 2020. When that was the last sporting event for a while, and that was that was the unfortunate end of the SEC season that year when everything sort of caved in. So we'll see how it happens. Well, I may a- may I ask Jack what uh, non sporting event happened that you were at? Eh, it was like a convention type thing. Ah. I don't really want to get into it. That's fair. No, you know you don't have to. I guess that's fair. That's fair. My my one other trip to Knoxville, so I'm excited to to go there as an adult and and see 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 what the scenes all like. So Jackson, before um, can you give? But when it boils down to it, what is the one thing Tennessee really like the main key that Tennessee needs to do to come out of Thomas Bowling Arena with a victory this weekend? It's it's going to be because Walker Kessler. I'm making him the point of emphasis because obviously he's, in my opinion, Auburn's best player, and it's going to be obviously he's going to get his he's going to get his stats. But make sure that they're not at the key points in the game like you did with Oscar Sheeblay. I mean, Tennessee beat uh, Kentucky by 14 points, and Oscar Sheeblay had 13 points and 15 rebounds. That's just, that, those are gaudy numbers, but they didn't come in points of the game where it was really going to count. So if you can if you can make sure in the big moments that Walker Kessler isn't making those big plays, I think Tennessee has a good chance to win. Also, take your shot. I mean, uh, I'm hoping Josiah Jordan James is back. Uh, to his uh, to his all SEC self, I mean, he was having an incredible run of about a month of, of the month of January. He was on ever on everything. He was really going crazy in the month of January and into mid February, and so hopefully he can get back to himself. But with Santiago Vescovi now coming out of his slump after seeing some shots go down against Missouri on Tuesday, uh, just hit your shots it's going to be it's gonna be loud it's gonna be a crazy environment i'm i'm leaning against bpi i'm thinking i'm thinking auburn wins a close one by two but it's going it's going to be one of the best sec games of the season this is going to be a, this is going to be an awesome regular season matchup that's what yeah that's what i'm really looking forward to is because auburn uh has not pl- auburn has played teams that run an offensive scheme like tennessee does but not with the skill level that tennessee has so I think it matches up extremely well for fans of just entertaining basketball to watch watch the uh, the rocket thrown around in in, uh, in in Rocky Top. And I will say, perhaps it's the pessimism that we have against our teams, but I think I got to pick against Auburn on this one. I just think with the way they've struggled on the road as of late, there's n- I don't know how they suddenly get it right in an arena that seats twenty thousand people. That's going to be you know insane. I certainly hope I'm wrong in that regard. I'll admit I hope I'm wrong, but. I just don't see how they are able to do that. I think they will lose this game, but then win the last two. But I, I, I don't think with just all the issues they've had on the road and how cold their offense has been as of late, specifically with the guards, I think I got to go in Tennessee's favor. It's a, I, I love what you said there, insane, because that atmosphere at Thompson Bowling Arena. I mean, we it was a Tuesday night, nine p.m. tip against Kentucky, and there was not a seat empty in the house, and it was flooded with orange. It was. 
probably the craziest non-football environment I've been in uh, as a reporter at my time at uh, WTK to at Tennessee in general. It was a insane atmosphere, and I'm pumped to see what it looks like on on Tuesday because our fans are on Saturday because our fans always show out to these big games. Absolutely, and we uh, have a little bit of experience with that as well. So what I'd like to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, I would love to just get, you know, we've, 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 done our, we've done our homework, so now let's have some fun and talk about, you know, the atmosphere, the differences. We, we've had Jungle Village sprout up. I don't know if you've seen that here in Auburn, but we'd love to talk about that and what, what the scene's like in Thompson Bowling Arena on any given uh, SEC Saturday. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will continue talking with Jackson from WUTK right here on Compact Discourse. Do not go anywhere. You are listening to 91.1 FM. Welcome back to the final segment of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM Auburn and WeagleFM.com. I'm Jack Carr, joined alongside Alex Husting and Mr. Griggs coming at you live on a Thursday morning. We are also joined by Mr. Jackson from WUTK, that is Weagle's counterpart up on Rocky Top in Knoxville, Tennessee at the University of the Big UTK. All right, Jackson, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still with you guys. What's up? We are having a great time talking to you so far. I know we, t- we talked about the game, but I'd love to just get the vibe about what the Tennessee basketball program means to that school, especially right now in the spot that it's in. Um, just to like maybe uh, talk about. So I know how do student tickets work up there? Because you guys, you're you're, you're a storied basketball mm-hmm. program, and for for Auburn, it's it's been you know many years of begging people to come to the arena. So now that now that people actually want to come, it, it's caused some problems. So how how does the average Tennessee fan make it into Thompson Bowling on any given day? Uh, I'm gonna go with the student perspective because it's it's a much more fun story. Uh, so Tennessee has a student ticketing website. Tickets are free for students uh, for basketball at least. Uh, football is a different story, but basketball tickets are free. And they are uh, first come first serve seating for these bigger games. So we will have students lined up uh, for the 9 p.m. Kentucky tip. We had students lined up at 2:33 p.m. Uh, on the day of the game. And uh, so I'm assuming students will probably start lining up 11, 10:30 a.m. Uh, they could be lined up uh, around this time now on Saturday to be uh, to get it to get the best seat possible for this game. Uh, we have a student section that is uh, where Auburn will be shooting for the first half, where Tennessee will shoot for the second half, and overflow is on that side but in the upper deck uh, for students. And it's, it's fun. I mean, the, the line even got crazy last night. Tennessee players were out in the line uh, handing out water bottles, handing, uh, talking to fans, taking pictures, stuff like that. I mean, it, it really is a cool thing to see uh, outside of an arena like four hours before tip-off. Absolutely, yeah. And we, we have a little bit of experience with that this season at Auburn. We had uh, what's known as Jungle Village 
pop up the night, uh, the day before, I should say, the uh, Kentucky game earlier uh, in the season. What time was that tip-off for Kentucky? Uh, that tip-off was, noon. I want to say, at noon, and people were in line at 6 a.m. the day before. I got in line at 1 p.m. on Friday afternoon. That was quite the experience. I'm lucky that Mr. Jack over there did not have to partake in Pearlville. At the time is what it was. I, it was formerly known as Pearlville until Bruce said he didn't want it to be named after him, and then we learned that Jungle City was trademarked, unfortunately. So now Jungle Village is the way. I mean, Jungleville's got a nice ring to it. I like it. Jungleville, Jun- Neville Arena, J- that. There you go. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of vills. I'm not mad at it. I'm not, I'm not mad either. That was one of the craziest experiences of my entire life. And, of course, if I didn't have class and a broadcast to do, I probably would have gotten in line at, like, noon. But, you know, I mean, I got there, got a seat. So I, w- I was wondering, Jackson, do you know how many seats are in the Tennessee student section? Uh, I would probably say the student section is probably three or four if you count the overflow section. In that main student section, it's probably about three to five hundred. Um, really? Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bigger set. It's just that baseline section uh, is really all it is for the student section. I mean, you have the tunnels on either side. And you have the baseline section. I mean, it's probably – and it's, it's standing. I mean, you have people standing on the floor. I mean, it's it's a good student section. Uh, I think it should be expanded a little bit. I, I think uh, what our student organization has done, they call uh, Rocky Top Rowdy. They've done a really good job at, I mean, filling those seats up. I mean, obviously it's been easy, too, with my time here. I mean, my freshman year was that Admiral Schofield, uh, number one rated Tennessee team. So it's been easy to fill the, fill the seats when – COVID hasn't been an issue uh, in terms of arena capacity, but I'd like to see it expanded a little more because, I mean, you have a lot of Tennessee students sitting in the upper decks right now uh, if you're not getting in line four or five hours before the game starts. Yeah, I was about to say with ours as well, kind of they just throw whatever excess students they have in the standing room section. So I think we, we both have the same problem. Difference is you guys have a bit more storied history with ours, you know, Auburn Arena, or now soon to be called Neville Arena, had to be built as small as it was because, as Jack said, they had to beg people to come to games. I think when Bruce Pearl's first year, they offered free pizza to any fans that showed up, and even still, I think they had extra pizza left over, which was unfortunate. I remember remember one of the tweets. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. But uh, when Bruce Pearl came to Tennessee, I mean, he was standing on cafeteria tables getting people to try – trying to get people to come to games. I mean, Tennessee had a very similar issue. I mean, uh, when Bruce Pearl – kind of jumpstart. I mean, Tennessee was good. I mean, obviously you had uh, Bernie and Ernie. You had some history of obviously Pat Summit in the women's side of basketball. The men's basketball team really was in a, a dark period when Bruce Pearl took it over. And I mean, he really revitalized that program. It started with him standing on cafeteria tables, yelling to get students to come to games. Yeah, it's good to see nothing's changed. I was about to say, yeah, he pretty much did the same thing. I think it, uh, in his first year at Auburn, he invaded classrooms with like and hosted basically a pep rally. And, with marching bands. And just took over entire classes to try to convince students to show up. And, I mean, it worked out pretty well so far, I would say. Now you got people getting in line hours before for Ole Miss and Vandy. So. I was out there at 4 p.m. yesterday for a, what was it, 7.30 tip? Yeah. Yep, that's just – and it was Ole Miss of all teams. So, I mean, it's just insanity. And I will say, uh, pivoting off of that, of all the Tennessee sporting events that you've been to, what do you think is your favorite uh, atmosphere? I mean, I know football is known for that, but I mean, in, in a lot of cases here at Auburn, I think a lot of people prefer the basketball 
games and that environment to football. So what about you, Jackson? I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a football and a non football. Uh, the Ole Miss game this year obviously surrounded in controversy over the end of that game, but that was a that was the best environment I've ever been in. I mean, they checker uh, they checkered Neyland, which is where they do the orange and white. Uh, yeah, super cool. Around the stadium all around, it looked awesome. I mean, the it was deafening. I mean, you couldn't hear yourself really think. Even in the press box, it was it was loud in the press box, which is wild to me. But yeah, I mean that was the that was by far and away the craziest atmosphere I've ever seen as a Tennessee student reporter. And non and non uh, football, that uh, Kentucky on Tuesday is is great. Um, is probably one, but a, a close to surprisingly is the baseball regional last mm-hmm. year against Wright State, where the, uh, the, the Grand Slam walk off. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh the yeah, Slam walk off. That was insane. That was that that. I mean, and I think there were only five thousand people at that stadium, and it shook. It was it was wild. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, something that that comes up, especially I mean, baseball is one, and you know, having to first come first serve at the basketball game is another. Really, you, you come to learn that it, it's it's the quality of fans, not the quantity of fans, that really makes an atmosphere, and that's something I love about uh, the the student ticketing systems we we both have, where you got to be committed, you got to be kind of crazy to show up these to these games, and we, we like to uh, put it out on the floor during the game, which uh, makes it a lot more fun. And it's honestly, I will say, this entire thing has ruined my perception of what time you should regularly show up to basketball games, because like I'll be in the 100%. student section wondering why nobody is there 45 minutes beforehand and then i'll realize why would you show up 45 minutes beforehand if your seat was guaranteed which still makes me wonder why some guys show up with their tickets to football games 90 minutes before and that that's a whole other level of crazy that i don't even want to get into right now but (laughs) this student ticketing is so great cherish it while we got it i guess uh 100 percent uh yeah i was the same way in kentucky because like obviously i i got to be uh, i was covering the kentucky game for us and uh I got to the arena probably 45 minutes before tip-off, and I go, and the, the student section's full. I mean, there it's, but nobody else is there yet. Like, everybody else is either trying to make their way through the gates mm-hmm. or just not in their seats yet. And I was like, <laughs> but there, it's crazy because there's just one section that's filled all the way to the top of the nosebleed because it's the student section, which uh, it definitely does change your perspective on how uh, student ticketing is. It, I mean, I, I haven't seen any other system because obviously I've only gone to Tennessee, but it's it really is a it's really cool to see. Yeah, one of my favorite sites in the world is is a full student section. Be it because uh, I, I help run the student section here at Auburn. I love seeing the jungle full, but I love traveling to Coleman Coliseum and Exit Tech Arena and and showing up an hour before the game and seeing that the students are full up ready to play Auburn, which is something a sentence if you told someone ten years ago would not be believable. So Absolutely, we love I to went, see it. When I went to the whiteout this year, insane. It was like. Probably two hours beforehand. It was crazy sight to see. The the whiteout's something else. We that's a whole other. Yes, that that's was, a whole other level of. That was another beast. Absolutely. I've never seen before. Absolutely. And I will say, Jackson. One last thing before we uh, wrap up the show. Just for the average Auburn fan listening ahead of this Tennessee game, what's one bit of information you could give about this Tennessee basketball team that an Auburn fan may not know just by looking at the stat sheet? What's like something that. Tennessee has under the radar that could be a factor in this game on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to go with one that's really going to help you guys. If you guys haven't watched a Tennessee basketball game this season, 
I mean, this team goes on at least one run a game of two-plus minutes of not scoring. Tennessee has scoring droughts at least once or twice a game. It's, uh, it's something pretty common in Tennessee basketball, and uh, it's definitely going to be something that they're going to have to limit to as much as possible. I mean, obviously they've been trying to limit it all season but haven't been able to, but they're going to have to limit it in some capacity if they want to beat this Auburn team. Awesome. Jackson, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning, taking some time out of your day to talk basketball with us. Tigers and Vols this Saturday, 3 p.m. Central Time. I guess that's 4 p.m. Local Time over in Knoxville. Jackson, thank you once again. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was awesome. Pumped to have you guys on tomorrow night. Awesome. We'd, uh, we, we'll love to talk at you again when Auburn and Tennessee play in the Elite Eight as well. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully for us, too. All right, guys. Catch you guys later. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you. All right, that was Jackson from WUTK calling in on a Thursday morning to Auburn's favorite morning show, Compact Discourse. That was a great conversation. I want to thank everybody over at WUTK and Alex and Jacob for setting that interview up. It was a lot of fun. But that is going to do it for the show today. So I hope everyone had a great time. Griggs, did you have a good time? Had a good time, yeah. <clears throat> and now I just got to turn around. Eagles Nest, 10 a.m. here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Ooh, boom. Me and Daniel Locke talking all things sports, getting more in-depth on this stuff as well. But had a good time. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Alex, thank you once again for setting that interview up. Always a good time. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, getting back on. I think Jacob will be joining their show tomorrow night to talk even more about it. This is a lot of fun. I really want to shout out, just for one second, the sports director at the Alabama a Student Radio Station for setting up this network. We're connecting all of the student radio stations across the SC to build this network. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of opportunities in the future. Awesome. Thank you, Alabama sports director. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Griggs. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna from WeagleFM.com or by listening to our podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast. Absolutely PSA break free wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. For links to that podcast, important information about the show, and important updates about events around campus, including concerts on campus tonight presented by WEGL. You can also tweet at us to get your voice on the show and join the conversation on Auburn's only student-run morning show. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter. You might want to go ahead and follow the station, WEGL underscore AU, on Twitter and Instagram as our dedicated team of marketing professionals is working tirelessly to provide you high-quality content. Also, giveaways, perhaps. I hear some concert tickets are in the works for fans of WEGL. And with that, for Jack Hart, Alex Houston, Mr. Griggs, and, of course, Jackson from WUTK, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We will talk at you tomorrow, next Monday at 8 a.m. as we are hopefully talking about Auburn's big win over Tennessee in Rocky Top on Saturday afternoon. As always, this is Jack Hart signing off. War Eagle, go 1-0. And everybody, watch some Auburn basketball this weekend. we got a ladies game tonight. It is senior night for the ladies. Ole Miss, that is tonight at Auburn Arena. I'll see you there. care.